This is Crow Inquisitors, and we are here with the last part of Season 1, our fun little post-mortem thing we're going to do with the whole gang, uh, minus Trevor, I guess. Um, but, you know, I, Sergio was only on, like, two episodes of Season 1, so I'm not sure he'd have, have a lot to contribute anyway. Uh, we'll see if we can get him for Season 2, post-mortem, whenever that comes out. But uh, we're here with the gang, and uh, we're going to talk about Season 1 and all of its guts and glory. Um, but first, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves just you know for voice recognition purposes um obviously i'm caleb and i'm uh, the game master uh and then we have david hello i'm i'm david i played dylan yeah connor i am connor i played cantarius <laughs> is that a question and my voice is destroyed so i am whispering <laughs> it's like are you making a voice that's going on <laughs> i forgot your voice uh jared I am Jared, and I play Alphonse. Indeed. Josh? Hey, I'm Josh. I play Antonius Ram. And Adam? I am Adam. I play Theo. So we're here. It has been quite a while since all of us were in the same place. I, I guess that's not necessarily true. We did do some sessions of Orphans of the American Dream together, so that was fun. Um, but uh, it's always good to get back in touch with y'all and talk about some fun stuff. So... Season one of Crow Inquisitors is all behind us now. Um, it was a monumental task <laughs> to edit all of that. Um, it was pretty crazy. Uh, but over the year of 2021, it was is all released. It released the last episode on Christmas Day. So big sigh of relief there. And of course, as a mad as the madman I am, I'm already editing your raging raging winds, the side thing that we have next uh, in the Crow Inquisitors uh, series. But so just to get us started here, what's your, what are your guys' general thoughts on season one? Um, anything that like jumps out to you as like favorite things about it? Um, what it was like joining the group uh, and you're know, starting the group for the first time? Anything like that? I'll go. I was thinking um, one of my favorite things about doing this was how unexpected um, things will have. You know, you're like, oh, you know, I want to do this pretty you know, mundane task, and then you fail, and then it completely changes the trajectory of yeah. of your character and what you were aiming. You're like, oh, that, that didn't work at all. Now what am I going to do? Uh -huh. You know, and now your guy's injured, and you're like, well, that kind of uh, ruins it for a little while. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed that aspect. It's so unexpected of, of what, what you'll succeed at or fail at, even if it's something that you're particularly good at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah what's, sure. what's funny about that is that, like, the, that is the, you know that's quintessentially the burning wheel is like failing roles forces you to like change your character um and for some people that just like it's harder harder than others to like wrap their heads around that as like this is the game and like you you know i'm sure all, all of us as we started learning burning wheel we're like this is so hard um well it, i mean I, I i my example is you know i just tried to scale a wall like you know i don't mm -hmm. think it was a particularly big wall and immediately I, I failed and i was struck by lightning and i was i was like injured for you know the next few scenes and i was like i just tried to climb a wall that's all i tried to do well to, to be, be fair, fair so. you got struck by lightning because you repeatedly asked gods to give you favor and fail yes. <laughs> but i yes. think the wall yeah, was uh, okay. sort of just <laughs> aggravating circumstances yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> yeah 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 and that's the thing i think it was um you did the faith roll to just get through the gate Right. Like you were stuck at the gate and you're like, I'm going to pray to the gods to just like miraculously get me through here and like, let me in. And then, yeah, of course you get struck by lightning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about burning wheel, right? It's like it, that is the way the game works. And for me, that's like the best part about it is just how like all of the characters are forced to like bring everything they possibly could to bear if they actually care on succeeding at something um, and it's always incredibly tense when the, we have those roles where it's like, I have a lot of dice, but I still could fail this. Um, and that mm -hmm. happened so many uh, times. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, playing off that, right? Like th the fun thing about, and I, I've, I think I've talked about this um, in those like little behind the scenes things that we've been doing uh, throughout uh when i've been releasing the episodes with you guys individually is that that concept of like this game because it's like the first thing we did streaming wise um and it was the first time that like josh and adam were doing stuff with us um it it definitely like set the tone for like everything that would come after it 
in a lot of fun ways, both in just in terms of like, uh, you know, we, we think of RPGs through the lens of Burning Wheel pretty much all the time now, but also like it created a lot of the, the fun, like kind of player mythos things such as Connor constantly failing roles. And that's like his shtick in life is just to fail. Um, <laughs> another one that comes to mind that I have written down here is that Jared, uh, Jared being a fate farm, despite not knowing how to play the game. Um, like I, and I feel like that's just a thing that happens in all RPGs now is that Jared somehow just ends up succeeding at any character he ever plays, not knowing how to play the game, but he just does somehow. I think Jared doesn't necessarily need to know how to play the game because he knows how to play the game master. <laughs> that is, I can't think there of you go. <laughs> too many situations where Jared has wanted to do something insane with his character. <laughs> And it hasn't been something he's been able to talk Caleb into. Yeah, you've let me get away with, uh, like, half the time, like, when we're making my character, I'll make some things, like, literally, I'm completely joking, expecting you to say, no, that's stupid. And he's like, yeah, let's go with that. And I'm like, hey, uh, I'm fine with it. Let's go. Yep. Yep. And that is how, of course, Alphonse ended up uh, in an incestuous relationship with his sister at the very beginning of the game. (laughs) Yep. And you're the one who told me about gray shades. I, yes, to my never-ending chagrin, I did do that. Um, but I've come up with in-game reasons now for why Dylan and Alphonse have gray shades and the rest of the people don't, which I'm excited to explore in later seasons of Chrome Quizzers. Um, So, yeah, going off of what Adam was saying, is there like a favorite scene or sequence that like jumps to anyone's mind as like, oh, this is what I think of when I think of Chrome Quizzers season one and like, I really love this moment. For me, it's probably the opening, the opening sequence where none of us, none of us at all really knew where we were going with this or what was going to happen. And so kind of the way that each of our characters were responding to the threat of just, you know, dying, right? Being executed, yeah. Right. That's the, the, the execution, like how, how each of us responded yeah. to that kind of shows, shows what we intended for the characters, right? And yeah. kind of where we thought we were going to go way back at the beginning of it all, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with, it, with you on that. Like that opening sequence, um, you know, from being in prison to being exonerated, like is, I think definitely like up there in top favorite things about Crow Inquisitors because it is, yeah, it's so evocative. Uh, and, and honestly, I, like I knew, I'm trying to remember, I, I'm pretty sure we all knew going into it that like you guys are going to be exonerated, right? Cause like the pitch of the mm-hmm. game was medieval suicide squad, but it was still so fun to see, like to, to play out that whole thing. And you guys desperately attempting to like get out of it somehow, or at least some of you, um and uh yeah like i think it was a great introduction to the characters like you were saying josh for sure yeah one of my favorite parts especially like in season one like that makes our game i don't know i'd say like unique in most like rpgs Mm -hmm. everyone starts out if not like knowing each other or at least on friendly terms whereas we're all openly antagonistic and the only thing keeping us from killing each other is the threat of death yeah mm-hmm. and that that antagonism in the early days i i i personally fed off of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we could tell yeah that was one of my favorite parts too for sure yeah yeah and that i mean that brings up another part of the like the mythos of the players and that's david all constantly being the antagonist um, <laughs> yeah it's true right like you, you are all in in some ways antagonistic towards each other but like Dallin was like at the forefront of like yes alphonse i will cut out your tongue if you m- make a misstep here um and that antagonism has continued on in many characters that david has played <laughs> oh i can't i feel like cantarius was there just as well cantarius was true. openly antagonistic much longer and in like into season two probably true yeah yeah that's for sure true <laughs> I definitely like, especially with uh, Alphonse specifically, I was definitely like out to get him for a long time. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I know we don't want to like necessarily get into like spoilers of season two, but I'm honestly curious, like when even that changed in my own mind, I'm, I'm trying to remember, but yeah. Um, or if it changed 
significantly at any point, really. I don't yeah, really I, remember I a point where it like hard stops in my memory that he's just kind of stopped. Yeah, there there is one scene that specifically stops in. It does. Okay. We okay. Got it. Okay. That's a, that's a, the, the big spoiler. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yes. I remember you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Uh, anybody else? Favorite scene sequences. I, I would say. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Go, David. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say it's a little self gratifying, but what fighting the big battle with the um, uh, knights, not not just well, because that's season I won. two. That's season two. Oh, is it? Yes, it man. Is. It all bleeds together in my head. I'm sorry. Well, spoilers, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, all we know is you get into a big battle with knights, and it's fine. I was just gonna say I just enjoyed all the dice. Really, was the fun part. But, uh, that's the that's the grab to watch season two. The, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, season two is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I apologize. I'll, I'll try to recontextualize. Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I mean, the, the end of season one is like when you guys leave that little town. Um, so you, you, De- you know, Delin spent a whole bunch of time training with Yuma to like be be a better swordsman and talking about right, and stuff. right. So yeah, that's where we are currently in the. But yeah, Adam, what was yours? I was just gonna say I really liked um, as, as we were getting to know each other, kind of like what uh, uh, Josh was saying. You know, the the un- the unlikely conversations and little adventures between un, you know unlikely characters you yeah, know it's like yeah, pair, yeah, yeah the pairs up of like people who don't normally interact and they're yeah. like okay not, you know i don't really know you as much as i know the other guys yeah and then you have these just awkward conversations and you're just like i don't i don't know you much as much as the other guy but you know and, and then just the the you know snarky comments or just funny comments that kind of made the group kind of connect more or the the individual characters connect yeah, more yeah and have, yeah, the, have their own like adventures with each other yeah the two the two that come to mind for season one for me with theo is one theo and alphonse having that conversation with narani and like theo like trying to push <laughs> push narani onto alphonse to like get, oh get yeah <laughs> off his back and then also the the scene where you and antonius are interrogating that assassin dude and oh, you guys yes. have this weird like good cop bad cop situation going on where like <laughs> Theo's constantly threatening the dude and saying like, yeah, we're going to kill you. And then Antonius is like, nope, no, we're not. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, because yeah, yeah you're right. Exactly. right? Like, like no one knew that was what that's like scene with Antonius and Theo would look like, but that as soon as it happened, we were like, oh yeah, this is probably what it would look like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I remember in, yeah. enjoying that. I think I, sorry, <laughs> I, I squared off with pretty much every other character for authority at some point i think <laughs> i think so yeah <laughs> in one way or another yeah yeah i, I love uh, trying to like make everyone else <laughs> try to oppose Dellen. oppose Dellen. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah another thing about it that was basically your goal you're trying to get me to not be empowered in one way or another and yep. uh yeah i think pretty much every character at some point like put their foot down and i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone was trying to to yeah Yep, pull, the, yep. pull the reins i mean episode, which makes sense because we all hated each other so. right exactly <laughs> episode one like literally um and uh alphonse like nudges antonius into like taking a stand against Dellen and being like yeah. you you will not kill alphonse because yep. we'll all die um yeah yeah that was the scene i specifically had in mind yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that's good um what's just did everybody do a c oh connor did you do one What's your favorite scene? Yeah. Is it when you murdered an entire is it when you murdered an entire family with magic staff? That was my least favorite. (laughs) My my child, you murdered my child. Hey, it's not it's still not confirmed or denied whether or not. I mean, you you say it so many times (laughs) throughout the campaign. It's it's very clear. Also, I assume that the uh uh there's a spoiler alert at the beginning of this episode, right? Oh yeah, I mean this is for if you've watched season one and right. you want just, postmortem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will thank you, Connor, because that was like one of the big catalysts of change for Elphons. <laughs> yeah, thanks for murdering <laughs> the little girl, Connor. Appreciate it. My my maybe or may not daughter. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Doesn't even know his own children. It's, it's been a while since I listened to season one, but I don't think I had any particularly like favorite moments in season one. I feel like season one was really a struggle for me playing Kentari. So trying to mm-hmm. figure out what his role was with the rest of the group. Yeah. Um, yep. but There's I remember cool- like oh, interrogating those children. Uh, Oh, oh. <laughs> as we were coming into town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a fun Catching moment. Catching a rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and oh, probably ble- being, uh, 
intimidating to the invaders of the yep. of the temple. Uh huh. That's that's the quintessential Kentarius moment in that season for me. Is like moment. yeah, yeah, exactly. Where you just you shoot a crossbow at them. Uh, miss, but you can try to use that opportunity but, to like intimidate yeah. them and be like the next like the uh you, well you used a darkest dungeon quote you were like curious yeah. as the trap makers art his efficacy unseen yeah. by his own eyes yeah so that so that was fun that yeah, was I definitely enjoyed that uh the other one that comes to mind for Cantarius for me though is um just this most recent episode episode ten where Cantarius has that really good moment with the monk he got to train him in like will um and like the monk is seen how like dark Cantarius is and he's just like trying to push him towards the light and then eventually like Cantarius just snaps on him and he's like what like what are you doing um yeah you should listen to episode 10 uh because that's 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 my favorite part for sure of episode 10 um is that scene okay I have not listened to episode 10 yet you should it's really good yeah that that scene particularly um there's also some fun fun stuff early on with your uh like sensing magic. Um that was sort of a cool it didn't last very long before you figured out what was going on, but it was still a pretty cool like um reveal. I don't know how much we spoiled the reveal before we got there. I think we did it kind of heavily, but it was still well, pretty cool to see. We hinted at the reveal because Connor when we come in Connor like halfway through the season just starts making untrained magic sight checks and everybody's like, right, right. Why are you doing that? Uh-huh. And we don't really explain it. Um, but then, yeah, we, we find out at the end, episode nine, uh, his, his proverbial and real eyes are opened. All right. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Yep. But, uh, I like that little arc. Um, I don't think we knew that going into season one, but I think pretty early on in season one, Connor and I figured out what was happening there. Um, so that was fun for me. Um, let's see here. Oh, I was just looking at a question. Uh, oh yeah. Um, what are your guys' like favorite characters besides your own? Like, like you know, thinking about back through season one, and maybe maybe it's like interactions that your character had with them, but just in general, like a character that stands out to you is like, like oh, I really NPC like NPC or NPC or other player character. Just like the first one that comes to your mind is like, I really enjoyed watching this character be played on screen. So, I'm probably farthest removed from. Crow Inquisitor season one. I haven't listened back through much of it besides, I think, the first episode and then the little postmortem you and I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really have fond memories of the town blacksmith. Oh, yeah. August. Yep. August. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I remember being very devastated mm-hmm. to what happened about what happened to that family. And August kind of was that first bit of normalcy for Antonius mm-hmm. since however many years it was when he Criminal, got thrown yeah. in prison for the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think that was a really special character for Antonius. Mm-hmm. And I still have fond memories of him, even if I don't remember any of the specifics. No, yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, it, that's the sort of stuff that n- makes you know that there was some sort of specific moments because you still remember it like and have that like remember the feeling that you had when he like died and all that stuff yeah uh, from what i remember of, of season one like uh that's totally true right antonius like actually got to just be a blacksmith for a while again mm-hmm. um and then even after august died um in episode 10 when we're doing like the two and a half months of downtime that's what antonius spends his time doing is just being the town blacksmith for august since he died um and that's just a, a really cool moment. And it was a cool moment, too, because he became that town blacksmith, but then really didn't connect with anyone during that time. Like, I asked you the question. I was like, did you, did you make any friends? Like, and you were just like, no, I don't think Antonius would. Like, he just kind of puts himself into his work and maybe has, you know, slight like conversations, obviously, with people. But like, he never really connects with anyone. Um and that that kind of set the tone for who Antonius was going into season two then too. So um, I always really enjoyed those parts. I think the character that I, I really liked was Cantarius. Um, I think Theo kind of thought the way I, I actually did. Like I, I thought I was thinking through my character about mm-hmm. how can I saw Cantarius as like a trouble, a, you know, obviously a really troubled character, but it was almost like he was pushing down an urge to be good. But in, in by by 
by shoving it out and and kind of covering it with the sins of his past and kind of being afraid of his past and not feeling worthy or you know too far gone to actually become good. And so it was it was a real it seemed like a struggle or internal struggle. And I, I think that's why Theo kind of trusted him, even though he, he did have a really dark um, background. He kind of saw like a, a light of good that that could be could be revealed at some point. And that when it, when it came down to a dire situation that Theo kind of trusted him to do the right thing, even though he knows, you know, we're all, you know, criminals in one way or another. Um, I, I, he just kind of saw that that good in him um, one way or another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh shucks! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I I lo- love Cantarius too. Um, mm-hmm. I think he uh, is a very evocative character, and and part of the interesting part of or, or part of the um, draw for me with Cantarius is that it did take Connor so long to figure out what the character was, and that struggle of like figuring out in game, but also out of game, um, was really uh evocative to me um and like it it felt like not only was connor struggling with cantarius himself but it felt like cantarius was struggling with himself <laughs> um yeah so it felt really real yeah that identity question that you know, cantarius struggled with and the way it played out was kind of a i think on a more meta level a kind of yeah. a cool way for viewers to really connect with the character mm-hmm in terms of like yeah like the christian okay. the christian struggle like a like a like a bodily desire to do evil but a but a you know a spiritual you know guide to to actually do good and to not not follow those desires kind of that that's kind of what i was feeling like, yeah, like, a, like so a, true. a light represent yeah that's exactly what I was intending the whole time. I, I wow, I'm so glad you noticed. That. <laughs> yes, yes, because I was thinking that the whole time, and that's why Theo was like, you know, I see that, you know, I feel the same exact way, you know, and so he was kind of like supporting Cantarius even when he, you know, kind of did bad things. He's like, you know, I know there's a struggle within you, and it's reflecting the same struggle we all have, um, except maybe Dylan, but. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) still had it he just hit it better than everybody else (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that was the metaphor yeah that was that was it that That the whole time you guys that (laughs) it took you so long to catch on i'm sorry (laughs) i'm dense when it comes Uh, to that particular wait i i don't even know why and when when characters are metaphor, that's what's difficult for me because like characters are characters. They they're not more than that, are they? <laughs> no. Or that that explains why. So I never really understood why Theo kept trying to connect with Cantarius. I'm like, you you don't have anything in common. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? It may well, it's kind of okay. like like both of them, like Theo and Guitarist, is like they both recognize that they are bad people. Like it's not like, oh, you know, I'm a good person, but I do bad things. It's like, no, we we are bad people, but there still is hope for a future. You just have to you just have to go after it and jump on it and have to fight the urge to to shove it away or, or to push it out. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm actually remember that now. I think Connor and I did talk about that at the very beginning, but I've since forgotten like that that was the initial like impetus for Cantarius's character um in a lot of ways it just it took Cantarius a long time to get there uh to really yeah, like fully realize sure. that but uh yeah that makes sense um cool yeah anybody else my favorite npc would probably be Achia because she yeah. was literally the mm. perfect red herring yes so i i, I do want to talk about that yeah, um, was great yeah um it was so the fun Achia? for me h is the abbess Oh, okay. that's her like actual name oh, even yeah. though <laughs> you guys almost never call her that um yeah this yes and and then um jared consistently mispronounces the abbess the entirety of season one um, spelling it yeah he calls her the arbiter at one point um <laughs> actually that might have been yeah, adam but yeah everyone was just like mispronouncing oh, misspelling yeah. um mm. that um, but yeah, yes, I mean, that drove me nuts. <laughs> I added about 30 S's. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Every time you say Adam, that, yeah. Adam, I have a couple, I, I have like seven years of 
unresolved something. Can you say Abbas properly for me, please? Abbas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Closure. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just yep. kidding. That's funny. Uh, but yeah, right. Like uh, Ichia was like the red herring of the entire like episode. What is it? Episode three. Yeah. You first get into the town and then the first role that gets made by Connor, by Cantarius is his intent was find out something heretical. And so I gave him something heretical, right? Like it was like a woman preaching and she's not supposed to be doing that. But like it wasn't actually connected to the real cult activity going on. But as soon as Cantarius comes to back to the place where you guys are all staying, he's just like, all right, guys, we found it. We found it. Let's do it. And Connor was so murder hungry. <laughs> it's yeah, just like, but, okay, let's go kill it. <laughs> so, so I guess in, in one sense, that was kind of you like explaining like how burning wheel works and like teaching us how burning wheel works by being like, you got to be more specific with your like instructions, but I had no clue. Right. I feel like I didn't know I needed to be more specific with my like, uh, like specific intent. uh, What's the word? Uh, Just specifics of, of like my role. And so I feel cheated looking back on it and you <laughs> criticizing me for it. It's really funny. I mean, it, it's a work in progress, right? Like that was part of the entirety of season one is like all, all of us figuring out how to do it. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, th- that was part of part, partially my intention was to like, be like, okay, you didn't d- do the right intent. So here's something that is within your intent, but won't actually give you what you want. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I had fun with that. And it was, it was glorious to see how quickly everything like, went into disaster mode there um and just like all <laughs> fell apart as as adam and jared try to go like save the abyss from what the assumed Cantarius and antonius well, were gonna well, do it wasn't well, assumed. Was, connor was like assumed. yeah we're gonna go murder her. <laughs> yeah, yeah i, I, I think not i think knowing. theo's theo's reasoning was was very uh um like physical and visual so I think I mean, because it was like, didn't she look exactly like my dead wife? Yes, but you only knew that after you went there. Right. So um, I think at first you were, you just saw that Alphonse left and you were like following Alphonse and like, well, what's going oh, okay. on? And then you got there and you were like, oh, 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 I, oh this saw changes the, saw the Abyss before, before. No, no, um, no I, one saw the Abyss before. Um, before you guys went to the Abbey itself. Um, can't hurry. Yeah, yeah, rumors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm talking about like the, uh, the time when we got, uh, like kidnapped with Theo and I got kidnapped. Oh yeah. I mean, that was at that's the end when, of the season. Yeah. Yeah. That's when Connor and, uh, I think Antonius were both like, yep, yeah, let's, let's just go murder her. <laughs> uh, no, that was like at the point where you guys already knew like who was the cultists and, oh no, you're, it was, I think, but it was mainly Dylan at that point because so I played the red herring, twice mm-hmm. right at the beginning i was like oh it's the abbey that's the cult and then you went there and then the cult attacked the abbey and it's like oh it's not them and then there was like some sort of weird ritual thing and mm-hmm. you were like is this still part of the cult and then i had it point back to the abbey and you were like wait has she been part of the cult all along and no she has never been part of the cult but mm-hmm. there's another thing going on so yeah there's there's two different kind of like red herring moments there um but uh yeah, I, I enjoyed that sequence of events trying to play with the expectations there because, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something like that because otherwise it would literally have just been, hey, there's a cult. You find the cult. You destroy the cult. The end. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which isn't interesting. Uh, but I also wanted to, you know, introduce this like more cosmological arc uh, going on. But uh, yeah, I enjoyed that that stuff uh, for sure. But yeah, Ichi, I think is a very interesting character. Um, because yeah, she was lying a lot the entire time, um, and, uh, had a bunch of secrets in the background and it, 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 it it gave me much GM glee to have all that stuff running in the background unawares of all of you. So (laughs) I don't know if you're ever going to like remaster, probably not because it didn't go anywhere, but I just listened to the Necropolis episode and, um, it was fun seeing her in that as well, being much yep. different yep. <laughs> in yeah. a different situation. I was so sad that there wasn't more. 
Yeah. So I, I've been listening back through everything. And so I, I just listened to that one myself and I was, ex- I was planning on editing it, but then I listened to that episode and I'm like, we don't do anything. Like nothing happens. Oh, we just get, we just get H.E. out of the city. That's and that's Although it. Although Marin is a lot of fun to play. It, no, for really sure. But it just doesn't go anywhere and it promises that it will go anywhere when it, right, when it yeah. doesn't deliver. So I'll probably just not add that to the. And we already have enough bonus stuff in that season yeah. that I don't necessarily need to add anymore. I do want to play that character again, though. Yeah, yeah, okay. I would Noted. love to have be with that character at some point in time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So, uh, I, I don't know how to say this without spoiling, but he should end up with Theo and Siegfried. My, uh, Siegfried, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see that. that would be, okay, that would be making great. notes, making notes. Siegfried would get along with him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100%. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that has to happen for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you can find out more about that by continuing to listen. Um, season three of Chrome Inquisitors is actually listenable. Um, so feel free to do that. Yeah. yeah or I, or I, I'm not in your basement for season three. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I forgot that I just came over to your house for a while. <laughs> and just use my laptop. That's so funny. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, the biggest problem was like you, we were still using the Rule 20 um, audio and video, which is just not ideal. It's not very easy to mute yourself on there either um, as, as yeah. easy as it is for Zoom. So it was just, it was not very fun. Um. Other other question I have here is um, looking back on like the entirety of season one, um, does a clear arc for your character stand out? Um, and if so, was that intentional? Um, like I know we have we talked about like Kentarius just having his general struggle, and and by the end of it, he's still struggling with it. So there's not much of a like a um, the main arc I can see for Kentarius at least is like the blind arc um, of like becoming mm-hmm. not blind. Um, but I'm curious if there's any others that jump out to you guys. Alphonse's arc doesn't really start until near the end. Mm-hmm. Like after everything's happened and Connor murders my may or may, maybe daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, Alphonse's I think obviously doesn't really start until season two. Yeah. There's obviously right. a big arc between Alphonse and Dellen um, <laughs> being brothers and hating each other and stuff. Well, m- mostly Dellen hating Alphonse and also finding out why that is and whether or not that's based on accurate information uh so that's a lot of i don't know i don't remember if that's resolved in the first season but it's yeah like, it's not, yeah i didn't think so but like that you know the 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 beginning of that whole thing um is definitely Dylan's probably largest arc uh, that and also yeah. his whole religious waffling with yuma yeah i, th- I think Dylan probably has the most clear mm-hmm. arc in season one um and if i was like to write yeah. season one as a novel Dellen would be the main viewpoint character probably mm-hmm. um, yeah he has a lot of like change in yep his uh like theology he's not as, and exactly yeah yeah he's and, a and lot and less right. strict <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah, it, uh, I'm, the more I'm thinking about it, the more you guys were just talking there. I definitely am seeing like really season one and two are two parts of the same whole in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Most of the arcs that get started in season one finish in season two. Um, yeah, that's why I have so much trouble separating them. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely true. Because season yeah. three is very different from season t- one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. yeah, for sure. And I play a totally one, different uh, character, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, season one starts with like Dellen. It starts with Dellen's art, and then it like completes in season two. And then Alphonse's change is in season two, whereas Cantarius starts in season two and then like comes to fruition in three. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, um, I feel like I don't know if Theo or Antonius have actually gotten completions to arcs yet. Um, I w- I would say so. I think it. I think. The arc kind of, in, I'm not going to reveal anything in season yeah. three, but it kind of is anticlimactic. And like, like it kind of concluded his arc, but it wasn't satisfying enough. Like it kind of wasn't, like oh, he needed more. Yeah, or maybe I know he what thought you're talking that about his now. arc yeah. was, was changed. Like he's like, oh, my, my, you know, my goal is done, but 
is that really like what I wanted? Is is that really yeah, gonna? I remember that. Like now. all I all I want. Am I done now? You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then obviously, Josh. Like what kind of happened? Yeah. And then obviously, Josh didn't play Antonius for season three. Um, but uh, I have some plans for Antonius in the future of Chrome Inquisitors. Um, he's okay. still around. So. So. Antonius is always kind of thinking about it. Antonius has spent a lot of time looking for his place. Mm-hmm. Right. Where does he belong and fit now? And it doesn't help that every single time you like start to find something, Caleb destroys it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I almost feel like he doesn't really need so much of a conclusion to his arc as much as, or maybe his conclusion to his arc could be something more along the lines of being okay with not having a place. Right. Right. Just coming to terms with being transient. Yeah. Just like I'm here and that's all that there is and that's okay. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Constantly know, trying to find for a, that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of that too reflects me as a player at the time, mm-hmm. not really knowing how to play the character or what the character could do. Mm-hmm. And so I never really felt like he had a spot in the group that wasn't just Swiss Army Chainsaw. Right, right. Right. He's got a lot of extra features, but it's unwieldy. Yep. When he's got the one thing he's really good at, he's really, really good at it. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely so, like, yeah, and I think yeah. there is more stuff because I, I just finished listening, just listening to season two, and I think that arc definitely finds a little bit more gr- like concrete. There are there are some concrete answers to some of those questions in season two. Um, so you know, wait for that and, and listen to it when it comes out. But um, I, I definitely think that's that's probably still still true. Uh, largely about Antonius's mega arc is just like yeah, kind of still coming to terms with with all that stuff um but yeah i'm I'm excited to continue playing with that maybe in the future question mark question mark um but uh yeah yeah I'm trying to think of um oh here here's a good one what is your guys's like we can we can just pull back the curtains on this and go ahead and roast me what are your least favorite parts about season one of crow inquisitors <laughs> the staff the staff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now your voice being gone sounded appropriate. The staff. <laughs> Having you murder yep. an entire family, yeah, I, I think that. Yeah, yeah to, to be fair, like when I was listening back through that episode and we, we, we talk about this, um, I don't remember. Oh, we talked about this in Idle Inspiration uh, a couple episodes ago. Um, we talked about the fact that I didn't give you a role at that point yep. to like, I basically, because all that happened was like you were planning on having Antonius like try to de like de like break it down in the forge, right? But at the end of that that episode, you literally just go in and throw it into the forge without Antonius's preparation. And I should have, I don't know what it would be really, but I feel like the more I was listening to that, the, I feel like I should have had you roll something to like attempt to do it right. But I don't know what that would be. But I still feel like that's probably what I should have done as a GM is like find something there. Cause yeah, although Didn't they try to make a roll to get it out. Yes. Yeah, so, so they had to make a roll to, to make sure that people didn't get like hurt by the gas. And there was right. a bunch of subsequent rolls, but like every single one failed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's my thought too. Cause like, I mean, there's, there is a situation where someone tries a thing that just does not have the ability to work and they don't know that. Mm-hmm. That's totally yeah, fine. It's already established then, in the canon that he's tried a thousand different things right. that nothing's worked. Yeah. And then there was rules to try and keep people from dying. Although I did wonder at the time, how has he not put this in a fire and killed himself with smoke before? But, so um, do you I guys want me to reveal? I actually that. have an answer to that now. Yeah. I, I, I remember I, asking that question. I think you just said you had an answer, but I yeah. And I, I think I, I'm fine with um, revealing this answer. Now it's, it's like something that reveals more about the larger cosmological stuff. Um, but I actually came up with it and it doesn't really spoil a whole bunch. Um, so the reason is because it was an, a, a forge started by Antonius and Antonius is also uh, one of the prophesied people. Right. So it was those, it was, cool. the, it was the connection there of like Antonius is the one who started this forge and you know, 
Cantares has never met any of you guys before, right? And if he had, he probably could have worked with you guys to do something like this. Um, but he hadn't up to this point. Um, so yeah. Literally. Let's say again, Connor. You literally never told me this. I, I didn't know until I was editing this season. Uh, oh, really? I didn't really have an answer to it. And then I had thought about it and I was like, oh, oh, no, that's the answer. Of course. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. I, I've, this editing Crow Inquisitors has helped me to figure out answers to a lot of questions that I didn't have answers to before. Because um, I was just listening to the same stuff over and over again, thinking about it. So, but uh, yeah. So, yes, uh, it was an Antonius's fault, really. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> no, not really. Antonius did nothing wrong. Yeah, it's true. It's true. He was just trying to be a friend <laughs> and help Kentarius out with something, and then Kentarius went uh, broke broke through all of your safety measures and threw it in without any preparation. So, yeah. But uh, in terms of least favorite part of the season for mm-hmm. me. And this, I think, reflects more on my inexperience. And I keep harping back on this, but like this was my first time playing an RPG that wasn't like a one-off, haha, this is fun, let's do it for a day kind right, of thing. Right. Yeah. So I didn't know how to navigate the antagonism in the party. Mm. And it yeah, I could see that being as a rough. player, it grated on me. David and Jared constantly being <laughs> at one another's throats. <laughs> well, primarily David being at right. Yeah. Like that graded on me and that frustrated me for a little while until I was able to settle in and kind of understand like how to play around it. But it was it was definitely probably my least favorite part of the season was trying to get my head around it, even if it, yeah. you know prepare me for you know later now and there's conflict and parties and groups it's like okay but this is this has nothing on the character that literally was going to hurt his brother and we were all going to die and he didn't care because his brother needed to die like (laughs) (laughs) at this point you know some of the inter-character conflicts and orphans doesn't seem quite as (laughs) quite as high stakes yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, for sure. That was actually one of the things that I was thinking about a lot, too. um, It's just like watching and listening to the way that that this group kind of came into being through Crow Inquisitors, right? Because like David and Connor and Jared and I have been playing RPGs for a long, long time. Um, But then adding you and Adam and um, Trevor into the mix. uh, Well, I guess Trevor's been playing, too. But, um, but, you know, just figuring out what that group dynamic was is a lot of what season one of Crow Inquisitors was. Um, and part of that, yeah, was like introducing Josh to the way we played role-playing games, <laughs> um, which is generally, like I think even when we're on the same party um, and and like all came together like, like Savage Tide style, there were still a lot of antagonism. <laughs> um, yeah, though to be fair, I think that was probably the most antagonist character I've probably ever played still. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe Caspian, Caspian's that's true. He was like a know, literal you, villain. <laughs> yeah, except but I feel like he still ended up being more helpful than Dylan was. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. But uh, yep. <laughs> uh, so I, I can see why that might have been a difficult interaction for your first time. Usually, it helps to have some friends uh, in the characters when you're yep. learning the ropes. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I apologize for that. I guess I didn't really consider it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I can't really think of like a a part that frustrated me a lot, but I might just not be remembering off the top of my head but yeah i think being able to just kill the problems i didn't like helped a lot so i don't really have too many of those i don't think <laughs> yep yep and there i don't know if i failed like a single talk roll <laughs> the entire i you must i think you failed one i can't remember what it was off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure you failed one in season one like the, uh, I'm pretty sure like, the only ones I failed were ones where it's like, I don't care about this role, so I'm not going right. to fork anything in for the, right. for the challenging test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you failed the first role you ever did. No, I succeeded. Which I talked David down from killing me. 
Wait, no, 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 but but before that, you oh, tried that's true. Yeah, you tried escaping or getting the like, guards oh, to yeah. taunting the guards. But he, or whatever. But he was he was also rolling a conspicuous test. He mm-hmm. wasn't rolling persuasion; yeah. he was rolling conspicuous, which he had much lower in. So, mm-hmm. I feel like you didn't fail a single roll where you were able to waggle your eyebrows seductively at whoever you were talking to. <laughs> yeah, I, I never failed at talking to a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty much much, true. much like real. Oh no! Except, um, Jared, um, you did I fail a falsehood check uh, against, um, or or no, you failed a. That's what it was. You failed a persuasion check against Ichia the first time you were trying to convince her that like the Chrome Inquisitors were out to get her, and that's what started the whole thing of like. Oh, that's you right. You didn't just immediately get the Abbas on your side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it was. I... Yep, yep, yep. Good time. Yeah, that was a bad time to fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was great for me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of moments. So the fun th- part for me as the GM going through this season and being able to cut out things is I can actually cut out things that I don't like. Um, and it wasn't anything important necessarily, right? But it was like minor things where I'm like, that was just a dumb call, Caleb. You should just I don't know I don't know why you framed it that way <laughs> i'm just gonna cut this out entirely like the one one that comes to mind is like i had there was like a bloody verses you guys were doing uh to like fight for cantarius and he was like laying there bleeding and i have sergio and well alphonse and sergio are both in the fight with you guys and um uh you guys failed the bloody verses and i had or maybe tie or something like that but you guys like got wounds as like the consequence and i had sergio be the one who shot alphonse accidentally and gave him a wound and i was just i got to that point in there and you guys obviously were like that's so dumb in the game itself and i was like yeah that is dumb why did i do that that just like makes sergio seem incompetent randomly for no good reason um so i just cut it out entirely it doesn't exist anymore (laughs) yeah that's that's my least (laughs) (laughs) when your uncle shot you with an arrow accidentally yeah i've got to say you make us sound a whole lot like much more competent players <laughs> than we were at the time. I don't know how much comes through um, in the finished product, but we spent a lot of time going, what does my character sheet have? Mm-hmm. How do I roll that again? Can I cut out Can I fork all of this? It. Can I fork that? Yep. Yeah, What's there are fork yeah. again. How do I fate point? There are a lot of moments where I, I cut out dumb forks that people try to lobby for where I'm, I'm just like, okay, this is just bogging. This is bogging down the game. It's pointless. Like, it's obviously uh, a dumb idea. That's half of, that's half of. No, some of them that are funny. No, no, no. Play some of them real. that are funny, I keep mm-hmm. in. But like ones that are just like, we waste time arguing about a fork that doesn't matter. Uh, I just mm-hmm. cut that out. Uh, those sorts of things just, just get cut out. Um. I also, one of the main goofs that I make in season one is I you have you guys roll observation tests for everything. Um, when observation is actually a very particular skill made to find hidden things such as people and objects, not mm-hmm. to like read people's moods or look to see if you notice something in the in your environment. Um, so uh, you guys, Dellen has a ridiculous observation skill and he really shouldn't. Like <laughs> there's zero reason he should. He didn't do any observation. Like, well, if we restructure the character, we can. Uh, we can we'll fix, fix that. that. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm scared of how powerful Dylan's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, Josh, you, you weren't there when we were talking about this, but I'm going to let if they want to let the the cast um, revamp their character slightly, um, since we will know way more about Bernie Wheel um, to like make it actually fit the character better and be a little bit more streamlined now that we know how all the rules work. Yeah, that's gonna, terrifying. Yeah. Mind. So, so Dellen is, is going to have, is going to ungratiate his agility because he, it's a pointless gray shade and he's just going to gray shade his sword. So, which will give him many more stats. Yeah, I am. I am afraid <laughs> of what characters David and Jared particularly are going to, uh, <laughs> we're well, gonna we, make we were talking about uh, the other I'm night gonna gonna J- yeah jared actually looked at his character sheet and he's like i actually think i'm happy with the way alphonse is right now so yeah i, I, I don't re- think there's anything i could do to make him more powerful because i've no alphonse like, is over ev- over everyone i feel like i've rolled the most yeah i think that's true 
he went from having and, a one in speed at the beginning of the game to he has a five in speed now. Yeah. Oh, I ran away. <laughs> yeah, he ran a lot. So many times. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. 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 Um. Any other general thoughts on on the season on on the game? Uh, burning wheels, a system. Thoughts on the world itself. Anything like that? Burning wheel is still. I think my favorite system. Oh yeah, hundred percent me too. Yeah, like I'll always have like a spot in my heart for D and D. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I love D and D, and I'll always you know want to go back to it. But just as like an entire system, I think Burning Wheels like the best. Yes, agreed. I enjoy it tremendously. I, I just love the like the how what's the word customizability? Is that a word? Uh, it is now. Yeah, you basically make whatever you want. Yeah, it's very, it, it's very concrete in the sense that, like, the you know, the game is very tight and mm-hmm. like knows what it's, knows that it wants to do, but it also gives you a lot of freedom to, as if you can figure out how the game works, you can do a lot mm-hmm. of stuff with it. Yeah, the only downside is if you don't make your character right they're useless (laughs) yes yep yes though to be fair like the more i've thought about that like i would love to do uh a game of burning wheel as a player which i've really never gotten to do um which is sad Mm -hmm. um except for that one play by post thing david and i were doing at one point right yeah we didn't do do it for too long yeah um and and like that's the sort of thing that would I'm sure frustrate me as much as you guys, but like I would thrive off of it because that's the sort of game I love playing is like where everything's just incredibly difficult and my character keeps failing over and over again. I love to play some just random peasant who constantly fails stuff and then just try to find a way <laughs> to become an awesome person. Mm-hmm. Um, if but, you uh, don't die in the first session. <laughs> well, as long as I keep it for some Yeah, that's around. the trick. And just don't yeah. play an assassin without... <laughs> without falsehood. Without falsehood. <laughs> <laughs> Connor. I love you, Connor. Burning Wheel has such a steep learning curve. Indeed. I feel like we played that game for years mm-hmm. between the three seasons of Crow Inquisitors and um, other side things. Right. Like, I still don't grok that system. Like, there, <laughs> there are elements of it. Yeah, I get, but. I don't share the same love for it that y'all do. It's all good. But it definitely good. has colored the way that I look at RPGs now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Playing 5E, some Pathfinder, you know, whole bunch of Powered by the Apocalypse. Like, I, yeah. I, I still think of things in terms of, like, forks and Intense. stuff. And I really miss... Yeah, forks and intent is like two really big things for me. And when I can clarify things (laughs) post-roll, that blows my mind because (laughs) every time I've been playing 5e probably longer. Well, I don't know. I I feel like I'm more familiar with 5e. And yet every time I have to ask, can I? Wait, do I have to declare my intent before I roll? (laughs) Yeah, because burning wheel taught me so well very quickly how to write intents that weren't or how to write intents to actually get across what i was trying to do yep Mm -hmm. you know i think Mm -hmm. that but that is a helpful thing really knowing what you're trying to do with a given role yep because some some of the systems particularly 5e some of the social stuff right this is not real geared towards social yeah so like i could just kind of generally roll Yep. I mean, like, I think I want to, f- what can you tell me about maybe, but if I, and it, and it works, yep. but having that more, more concrete intent really does, you know, streamline things a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, or I burning wheel. The, oh yeah. Go keep going. You're good. I was going to say it streamlined things a lot, or it just gives the GM a great opportunity for red herrings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep yep um yeah for sure i mean w- so we were coming to burning wheel from uh you know D 3.5 and the mistborn adventure game and the hero system where they make the mains when we were been we had been playing which are all very 
OSR, like you just roll and most of the mechanics of the game are just about like, they, they, they don't dive as deeply into like how to set up roles and figure out exactly what you're getting from a role. It's there's so much more just like the GM and the players have to figure out for themselves. Um, and going into burning wheel and then having this like intent and task system written out and like the explanations of like, here is how the cyst, like a procedure to make a role works. And I was like, this is so helpful. Like I know how to make every role. Like we all, we always know what's going to happen when you succeed or fail a role. We always know like what the procedure is. There's no arguing back and forth about like trying to, to you know, finagle things for your own benefit. Um, mechanically, like by because, by virtue of the fact that there is no rule for it, right? Like Burning Wheel very clearly laid out. Here's the stuff you can do. Here's the stuff you can't do. Here's the procedure in which to get the, get it done. And that sense, yeah, colored everything I've done with TTRPGs for the better. I think so. Um, but yeah, at this point, I've read Burning Wheel all the way through like three times, and I'm fairly confident that I have it mastered, but only mastered as much as anyone can master any skill right like there's always going to be something else that you figure out um and uh just the other day we i think i learned something new about burning wheel uh that i should have known for like years so hmm. yep yeah one yeah, thing yeah. we do a lot especially in the beginning is we roll before you give us the ob. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. And I try to switch that around a lot. Like that's the fun part about doing these editing stuff is I can actually like um a bunch of the times where yeah, we you roll without an ob or um you guys keep adding forks after the fact because we were still learning the system. I literally just like reverse the order on it in the audio so that it oh, wow. seems like we're actually playing it the right way. Um that's hilarious. I, I did that a lot to make it to, to, again to make us seem more competent. Um, and you cut out the point where you're like, oh, I should have given you a an op. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> I can't even comprehend how much less work the later seasons are going to be for you in that. Exactly. Sense. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I won't be in your basement. We'll all have competent equipment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some of us kind of knew what we were doing by then. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like because yeah, we won't be asking about rules. We won't be yeah. creating stuff as much, hopefully. I, I yeah, know. I think season three of Crow Inquisitors is when we got to a like a comfortable level of competence with the burning wheel that we yeah. were able to really use it to its fullest extent. Um, and so I'm excited to get season three because I think that's my favorite season of Crow Inquisitors. Um, but uh, you know, it's gonna, it'll be a while before we get there. So, um, yeah. Any other thoughts on on any of this stuff? Stuff that you wanted wanted to talk about and we haven't got to yet, or um, Adam had the mentioned the out. random love triangle you put me in again, <laughs> as always. Yes, I mean that uh, by the end of season one, that's only hinted at, um, because yes, oh, my episode, bad. Jeez. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. It's totally fine. Um, little minor spoiler for everybody. What I actually ended up doing, David, in in episode ten, we talk about Maria, um, but I ended up just cutting all of that out because no one knew what we were talking about and i think it would be it's i think it's gonna be more fun to just reveal that Dellen has like a secret lover uh, yeah, uh, in fair. season two yes uh Dellen having yuma fall in love with him is uh is a is a pretty fun turn of events for me yeah especially because it happened like right after i murdered everyone she knew which was fun <laughs> mm -hmm. yes i i listened to that sequence and i was like I didn't have Dellen make a single role to have this happened. I really should have done that. I don't know. So I guess I just if you wanted had, I would have failed and then it wouldn't have happened. So that's, yeah, that's fair. I guess it, I mean, really it was a punishment to you anyway, because you didn't exactly. want that. That to was happen. me failing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Is so is that where the mythos of the harem, maybe. Yeah. The yep. mythos of David's harem. <laughs> yep. Is that, is this season where that's kind of started or season was this one thing at the very end of season one? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's where the, uh, it, the seed, the seed of it began. Mm -hmm. Though, do to be oh, fair, man. like set, games we've done before Crow Inquisitors had seeds for it as well. Like, I feel like I always threw some sort of random love interest at David specifically. Um, yeah, I don't think that was the first time. Yeah, but it, I think it was the it was the beginning of the love triangle, though. 
Um, oh, right. And then the harem jokes, pr- particularly. Because um, I remember, like, Dalis had, like, that captain lady that was interesting. Right, yeah. You had a love interest there. But, like, there was never a, another person that was interested in no, you. No, that's so. true, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And then, of course, you have the whole consistent thing of uh, David makes a character who philanders around and then the first yeah. person he sleeps with he's like well i have to devote my internal soul to this person because me as david yep, wants to exactly. do that <laughs> that's, that's why i was like when i made caspian i'm like all right i'm yep. gonna do this right i'm gonna make him have done all these terrible things already and, and actually I don't have, have a harem <laughs> and then uh it'll make it a lot easier <laughs> yep yeah, and he yep. was a pretty terrible guy so i feel like i did a good job there. i think you did yeah i i caspian caspian goldvein was a um fantastic villain i think Oh, thank you. Stay tuned to season three to meet him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Any last thoughts? I don't want to keep you guys too long, but I I also want to make sure we talk about whatever you y'all are interested in talking about. I'm going to try and find Dylan's new character sheet that he made because I can't find it now. And I'm like, all that work. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, Yeah. I, I really enjoyed season one. Um, it's it was so fun for me to return to it as a GM. Not only do that cutting and splicing that I was talking about earlier, and like making it the the best it can be, but also all I had so much fun with all the bonus content I made for it. Um, if you guys haven't had a chance to look at it, you should check out. Like I wrote short stories for most of your characters. I wrote like some lyrical songs for some of the characters. Um, and that was just super fun to me to like return to a setting that I know and love and then add fun new content to it. Um, and really this podcast has been an excuse for me to write music and fiction, um, without having to start some giant thing. Um, and uh, you've already done the world building work. You might as well. Exactly. Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. so many things to talk about and explore. Um, and I have, it, what's funny world building about Saragon is that it started off when we were playing for Inquisitors for the first time, right? Um, it was still part of the old 374th cycle mythos. Um, but right. now it's become the first thing in the new kind of like RPG Cosmere thing that I want to do. And right. so it's been fun for me to do this podcast because I get to, you know, iron out those details for what I want it to be officially for this new version of it and cut out anything that I isn't part of the world anymore. Uh, that was, you know, most of it's like yeah, random helps. snippets <laughs> that I talk about um, that aren't important, but uh, yeah, it, it's been fun to kind of give a final version to this stuff. Um, my, the perfectionist in me is very satisfied <laughs> with what I've <laughs> been able to do. So, yeah. So if you guys haven't um, listened to, the other Chromequizzer stuff, you guys should uh, take a take a take a listen. It's all there now. You can listen to the entirety of season one, um, beginning to end, with a bunch of fun bonus content. So, thanks for joining me, guys. This was fun. Um, Adam had to duck out mid session, so or mid yeah mid thing here. So um, that's why he hasn't talked in a bit. But uh, yeah, we'll probably do another one of these in the future. But that'll probably be a while. <laughs> so yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, i mean yeah my plan for your raging wins is to be able to release all five episodes um week after week like Mm -hmm. like five five weeks in a row in the summer sometime one of these for your yeah no sure we can do we can do that Uh, that'll be fun yeah i don't think i'll do like legit bonus content for it like mm-hmm. I did with Crow Inquisitors, but yeah, we can do a postmortem. I, I'm down with that. There's lots of fun stuff there to talk about. Yeah, the, the Con- Connor has some explaining. Honestly, you know what would be really fun is, um, David, if if when I release those, if you would listen to them and then come on that postmortem and be like the audience member, because like, oh, yeah. you weren't part of it, but just like give us no. your thoughts as like just listening to it without being having played in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. I, I'm definitely interested in listening back through that one because yeah, yeah. like john toast is so much fun man. john toast <laughs> is such an iconic character yep and so many of those moments have been lost into the cloud of memory because yep. so many things have happened since then mm-hmm. for me that like going back and being able to relive that character would be amazing mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i think he as a character is actually informed i used him to explore some stuff 
that I've then taken into my real life. So that was kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my, that's one of my favorite parts about playing TTRPGs is like using characters to kind of develop your own thoughts about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, cool, cool stuff. Well, yeah, we'll probably be back at some point with that. Um, thanks for, thanks for talking guys. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks for hosting. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. All right. Adios.